Good morning. Welcome to church today. We're glad you're here. You know, you have a... You have this card in your program. I know Trent did a great job of talking about Easter, uh, but you know, um, we just came through watching the Super Bowl, and you know, we invite people over to the house to watch the Super Bowl, and we party and eat wings and do whatever we do at Super Bowl parties. I want to tell you, Easter is the Super Bowl for the church. It's the time of year, every year, that people will come to church on Easter Sunday if we'll invite them on Easter weekend. And you know, um, uh, 80%, I just read a statistic the other day, people say they don't go to church anymore, but 80% of people who don't go to church said they'd go to church if they knew where to go to church and if a friend invited them to go to church. So it's our Super Bowl Sunday, so let's invite them over to our house for a party because we're going to have a great celebration here. And I think that, uh, you know, I think the crosswalk is a great thing to invite someone to that's kind of hesitant to come to church. Uh, that's going to be an awesome event. Uh, you know, people can park at the commuter lot, and then we're going to have shuttles take everybody back right after it's over. And so invite as many people as you can, especially those who may not come to church, uh, because we've all experienced tragedy, and, and, um, and also we've experienced triumph. So, okay, so Easter weekend, it's our time to shine, okay? It's a time for the church uh, to be the church and reach out to do what God said for us to do, and that's go ye into the whole world and reach people for Christ. So we're going to do that, right? Everybody going to help us out? I'll do mine, you do yours, and if everybody does, if all of us invite one, it'd be great if one person came with each of us. That's enough of that. But let's, uh, our team wins, matter of fact. We already know our team wins. Uh, I've read the end of the book, and I know that. So, they'll be on the winning team. Look, um, uh, 42 years. Huh? 42 years. 42 years, you're right. Yes, we've been married 42 years, Gay and I, and that's no April Fool's joke. We've had a lot of good times, we've had a lot of tough times, but we're having times that are uh, all in God's hands, and we're excited about that. She's pregnant, matter of fact, and uh, <laughs> uh, April Fool, <laughs> oh, that would be rough, wouldn't it? Anyway, she'd be a good mom, I'm not sure about the dad part, but anyway, thank you, Arianne. LifeLock, uh, everybody, anybody know what LifeLock is? It's a company that's dedicated, it's a U.S. company that's uh, dedicated um, and it's based on identity restoration. They're identity restoration specialists that will work to resolve your identity theft problem. And they'll help you uh, to rebuild your credit. And uh, they have all these guarantees. And over the last couple of months here at Salem Fields, we have learned that Jesus is our restoration specialist that will work within us to help us resolve our identity theft problem and protect us and to help us to rebuild our identity in him. Our key verse uh, gives us the crucial supply that we need in rebuilding our identity. And I want us to read that together. You ready? And now... For God's use in building his house. See, I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen, precious cornerstone of my church, and I will never disappoint those who trust in him. Wow, what an incredible promise. The foundation, Jesus Christ, on which we rebuild our identity. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, the cornerstone that we build our lives on and rebuild our identity on. We are, building, we are the building blocks. We are the living stones that God uh, uses to build his church. 
It's not this building. It has nothing to do with that. We are the church. We are the living stones that God uses to rebuild and build his church. As Gay said last week, any construction project when uh, when or any rebuilding or remodeling project, you know all about that, Josh. Some things, uh, you, it's something you got to have uh, uh, the proper supplies for. Last week, Gay did an awesome job teaching us about the necessity of placing our hope in the cornerstone, to put our hope, to build our lives and put our hope for our lives, for our families uh, 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 on the cornerstone and that, and that hope plays, placed in anything else if we put our hope in anything else, we will end up disappointed in life. If our hope is in anything else, if we place our hope on anything that we can lose, we will end up being disappointed in life. Early in our series, we talked about the inner person, our heart. And today we're going to talk about a building supply needed to rebuild our identity uh, through our outward actions. Two weeks ago, we talked about offering ourselves. And some of you, I hope, uh, either here or online, that some of you uh, actually did that. You offered yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, uh, being our reasonable act of worship. And so we talked about offering ourselves to God uh, to be used as a living sacrifice by him. And today we're going to put that commitment into practice by allowing God to use our lives to serve him and serve others. Here's what we know. Uh, at least what I know, a little bit. Whatever or whoever we put our identity in, whoever or whatever we put our identity in, we will serve. If, if I put my identity in my career, then I will, I will serve my boss or the CEO. I will serve whatever will advance my career. If I put my identity in my feelings, then I will serve my feelings. My feelings will be the driving force of my life. If I put my identity in what others think of me, I will serve that person that I want to make look good, that I want to uh, serve. I will serve, if I, if I put my possession in my money, then I will serve money. And if I put my identity in Christ, I will serve Christ. Wherever we put our identity in is what we will serve. Therefore, the Bible says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, if you're a born-again believer, and I've said this over and over over the last uh, 100 years, that uh, if we're born again and we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have a spiritual gift or gifts that God has given us that gift. Now, that gift is not to edify us. It's not to make us look good, but the gift that God has given us or the gifts that God has given us is used to edify the church. My gift is used to edify you, to lift you up, to encourage you, to serve you. And your gift that God has given you as a believer, God has given you to edify the church, to build up the church, to, 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 to serve each other and others in our community. And we all have a spiritual gift. Our spiritual gifts are a huge part of our identity in Christ. And, and when we use them to serve others, it serves to rebuild our identity in Christ. So let's start with a little test today. What do you call a chicken crossing the road? Anybody know? Yeah, that's a good. Poetry in motion. 
<laughs> what do you call a boomerang that doesn't work? A stick. A stick. Who answered that? <laughs> Were you here last night? <laughs> That's what it is. Anyway, <laughs> what do you call a bullfighter in quicksand? Quattro cinco. <laughs> where do you find a dog with no legs? Right where you like. <laughs> Somebody's cheating. <laughs> uh, what do you call a man who falls into an upholstery machine? Fully recovered. <laughs> what do you call uh, a cheese that isn't yours? Nacho cheese. And my cheese. Uh, <laughs> what do you call a Christian who isn't serving? This is not funny. <laughs> a contradiction. A contradiction. You say, why is that? You see, you and I have been redeemed for a reason. You and I uh, have been saved to serve. You know, we, we are created to serve. God created us to serve. We are called to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are co commanded to serve. And we serve because our identity is in Christ. We have no choice as believers. We are commanded uh, by Jesus to serve. It, it's a part of what God has called us to do as believers. And when our identity is in Christ, just like holiness, serving is in our DNA. I mean, we talked about holiness. If Christ lives in us and our identity is in Christ, then in our DNA is holiness. And in our DNA is serving. It's who we are in Christ. We are called to serve him. Philippians 2, 7 says, Rather he, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. It became his nature, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, in a national survey, George Barna interviewed thousands of people, believers and non-believers, and he questioned them about what success means. And he asked them questions like, how you get there and how do you measure it? Most people's response about success focused on personal accomplishments, family uh, uh, solidarity, and emotional fulfillment. I mean, they, they use those uh, terms as success. Barna notes that only 7% identified spiritual wholeness, spiritual wholeness or service to others as the measure of uh, being successful in life. Now, spiritual wholeness, spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness is our goal in rebuilding our identity in Christ. If we're rebuilding our identity in Christ, we're naturally going to come become more mature in Christ and more Christ-like in our spirit and attitude. So, so the question is, how is it possible to have 120 million adults attending a Christian church today, but only 7%, only 7% uh, who... who uh, grasp the message that success is not about a personal accomplishment or material possessions. Only 7% talked about service or talked about Christ-likeness or wholeness in Christ. Why is that? Because being a servant in our culture today is foreign to us. We live in a culture today that says, you serve me. That, that we want to be served. And being a servant just doesn't make sense to us in America today. It doesn't come natural to most of us. We like to be served. We are, by nature, 
self-centered. We are by nature selfish people who are not fully surrendered to God and his will for and, and the only way that we will overcome the I in my life, it's all about me, is when we're fully surrendered to God and we're saying to God, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so naturally, by nature, we are selfish people. Therefore, we're not serving others. You see, we are, uh, we are into serving whatever or wherever we put our identity in. Have you heard the saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same? The more things change, the more they stay the same. The same thing that, that Jesus dealt with, uh, uh, you know, 20 centuries ago, uh, he's, still, we're, he's still dealing with today. Uh, when you're talking about the disciples, the same things were happening in their lives today that is happening uh, actually today. They too, the disciples, had to learn if they were going to rebuild their identity in Christ that they too would have to live according to the values and principles of Jesus. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. That was their identity. And when Jesus got a hold of their lives, he had to, he had to change their thoughts, their values, and their principles to become more Christ-like. And the same principles that Jesus taught then are the same values and principles that are totally relevant for us today as Christ followers. But they certainly ran counter, they certainly ran counter, uh, they run counter to today's values. Today's values of dressing for success, winning through intimidation, and manipulating others to do what you want them to do. As Christ followers, we are called to serve. We are commanded to serve. Folks, you have no choice. When the commander commands us, then we have no choice but to follow the orders. We are called and commanded to serve. We were created to serve. And he expects us to seek ways to encourage and lift up others, not to fight and scratch and claw for our own rights and to be served. The biblical principle is clear. Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, listen, for even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's pretty clear, right? Understandable? Probably not. This principle is not easy to accept in our lives, in our culture today. Our human desires go against everything Jesus taught about serving, and it contradicts the principle of winning through losing. God's principles of winning, you win through losing, of getting to the top by heading to the bottom, uh, of coming in first by trying to be last. You see, our natural human nature drives us to want to be first. You know, I, I've never been to a, a church buffet line where somebody says, nah, 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 y'all go ahead, y'all go ahead first. I, I want to be last. You know, I, I mean, we all head for the front of the line. We want to be first. It's in our nature to want to become on top. Jesus goes against us. Our natural human desires drive us to stand up for our rights, use whatever influence we have to get to the top. And if you don't look out for number one, who will? You know, get back, get even. 
And Jesus expects us to act differently than the world's norm. He, he expects us to seek opportunities to serve others, but not only people we like, not only people we're sitting beside of, but he calls us to serve our enemies, people who have wronged us. And sometimes I want to say, Jesus, get over yourself. I mean, serve our enemies, which is exactly what Jesus did. He gave himself as a ransom for us. We were enemies of God. Our sin separated us. And he ransomed us. He took our place so we could become all that he planned for us to be. He always cho chose to do what was best for others, not for himself. He served rather than doing what was the easiest, most convenient thing to do. And, and, and if we're going to rebuild our identity in Christ, this will be expected of us as well. Nearing the end of his life, he called his uh, disciples together into the upper, upper room and Jesus knelt down and he did the unthinkable and he washed the feet of his disciples. There was always a servant there to do that. There was always a slave there that would wash the feet of the guests. But Jesus did the unthinkable and he knelt down and he took a towel and a basin of water and he washed the feet of his disciples. And then he said to them, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, in the kingdom of God, greatness comes through serving. Greatness comes through serving. You know, the disciples, they were there arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And he was saying, if you want to be great, then you get down and you do as I do. And, and, and as much as things change, they stay the same. And it's the same for us today. If we want to be great, then we have to go low. As we serve and encourage others, we grow and mature in Christ-likeness, and we become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we are rebuilding our identity in Christ and not what the culture says for us. The great thing about serving is that we can serve anywhere. You can serve anywhere. You can serve everywhere, and you can serve anytime. We don't have to go to Nigeria to serve. It's a great place to go. Well, it's a good place to go if you want to experience missions. You know, uh, we don't have to go to India, but India is a great place to go. And I'd encourage you when we have a mission trip there to go to India or Nigeria or anywhere else for that matter. But you don't have to do that. You know, we don't need to attend a, a dozen conferences. I mean, uh, there's a conference, a church conference for anything you want to go to. One there is one for. There are church conferences all over the land. There are pastors that are church conference junkies. And, and we don't need to attend conferences to be trained or go to college or learn any new skills. All we need is a willingness. All we need is a willingness. A willingness to offer ourselves fully to God. God, here I am. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do anywhere, everywhere. You just tell me. And I'll do it. A willingness to do that. And to obey Christ. When he says go, you go. And to allow the Holy Spirit which lives and reigns in our hearts to serve others through us. To serve others through us. He lives in us. You see, 
once we make the decision to rebuild our identity in Christ through serving, there are tons of opportunities for us to serve. But I believe if we're going to serve as a believer, it starts first in our home. It starts first in our family. I got that messed up when I came into the church. You see, and if you're married, it starts by serving your spouse. Even if you think your spouse is your enemy. We're called to serve them. Here's a hard lesson that I'm learning. And you say, buddy, you've been married 42 years. I am a slow learner. <laughs> Legitimately serving my wife means doing the things that connect with her, not what comes easy for me. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that's much easier to serve Gay the way I want to serve her than what she needs for me to do. And, and, and that's not really serving her. And, and, and when I'm serving her, it starts by listening to what's important to your spouse so that you can serve them out of, the, out of their need and not out of your need. Support them wherever and however they need support. Love them for who they are. And once we are serving our spouses, if we have children, we need to serve them. Now that's, whoa, wait a minute. That's not what I had children for. I had children, I had boys especially, I didn't. Uh, I had a wonderful daughter, but we had boys to mow the yard, right? I mean, I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a boy every time I'm out there mowing the yard. I think, man, if I had a boy, he'd be mowing the yard. I'd even have a garden if I had a boy, you know? <laughs> but, you know, maybe you could serve your children. How you do that? Maybe you could read the Bible with them and pray with them before bedtime or play ball with them in the backyard or teach them how to bake a cake or to fish or to take time to listen to them and understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving. I wish I'd have done that. You see, I believe as a spouse, as spouses learn to serve each other and their children, we're modeling Christ-likeness. We're modeling Christ-like attitudes. And this way, we set a powerful example for our children to follow. And then we can serve in our church community. You can serve right here. Now, there are so many ways to serve here at Salem Fields Community Church. But believe me, I, I don't think this message is about getting more people to serve. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to, get, uh, to, to speak to you about serving. This message is about helping you and helping me rebuild my identity in Christ as I serve others in my church community. You see, but serving the body of Christ in Salem Fields, though, is important. Because we are called to build the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ, to encourage and build up and lift one another up in the body of Christ. You can serve in children's ministry. Oh, my goodness. There's a line of people over there right now wanting to sign up to serve in children's ministry. But you can get in line, you'll be able to serve. That's just, I'm being facetious there. Or you can serve in youth ministry. And, and you know, you think, oh, I, I, I don't want to serve there, man. But I got to tell you, if you can begin to think about serving our children or serving our students because you are the only role model of a believer in Christ that they may see, you might be the only fa uh, father figure that they ever see, you may be the only man that ever hugs them, you may be the only man that ever has a conversation for them, because I got to tell you, there are children and there are students that come to Salem Fields Community Church that need godly people in their lives. And we get the opportunity to do that when we serve. 
our children, our students, the most valuable place we can serve. You, you could serve as an usher or a greeter or in the parking lot by being the first impression of Christ. See, that long before people ever arrive in here, long before people ever uh, uh, come in here and hear a sermon or listen to the, uh, and worship with the worship band, uh, you could be the first impression for an unchurched person who visits for the first time. I was down at my grandson's church in Richmond called Hill City Church, and, and, and the pastor was there, and he was preaching a message similar to this message, I guess. He was talking about serving, and, and he, he tell, told a story about a guy who came to him after church one day and, and said to him, he said, hey, pastor, I'd like to meet with you sometime this week. I need to tell you my story. And the pastor said, okay, and he set up a um, meeting with him, and the, and the guy came in, and the, and the guy said, I just want to share with you how I came to know Christ. The pastor said his chest, he said, my chest all got all puffed up and I was getting ready for him to tell me how great my sermon was and how awesome a pastor I was and how it just spoke to his life. And he said, I was all puffed up. And the guy said, you know, we, uh, my wife kept on nagging me and nagging me and nagging me about going to church. And he said, just to get her off my back one Sunday, he said, I decided to go to church. He said, I went to church because I didn't want, he said, we fought and argued all the way to church. He said, it was miserable. And he said that he didn't want to go, and he was being whatever he was being. And he said he drove into the church parking lot. And he said there was this dude out there with a SpongeBob hat on his head on a skateboard directing traffic. And he said, I started laughing. And he said, man, it just cracked me up. And he said, he came in, he said, I came in and I listened to your sermon. And he said, and when you gave the response at the end to receive Christ, he said, I prayed and I received Christ. And, and the pastor said he was all puffed up and, and, and the guy said, and he said to the guy, the guy said, or the, he said to the guy, well, what brought you to the decision to accept Christ? You know what he said? I want whatever the guy on the skateboard with the SpongeBob hat, I want what he has. And he gave his life to Christ, not because of a great sermon, not because of the worship team, not because of the great donuts. <laughs> he gave his life to Christ because someone found joy in serving the Lord in the parking lot. And honestly, gosh, we can't hardly, we got two or three guys that will do it. And it's the greatest place to make a first impression is at the door or in here handing out programs and being friendly and being smiling. And I'm not saying you have to wear a SpongeBob hat, but man, you see people come to Christ for many different reasons. I thought that was the greatest story. You know, you could serve in hospitality by making coffee and, and stocking those Krispy Kreme donuts on the tray and then licking your fingers. <laughs> I hope they use gloves, but I don't know. <laughs> Just think about that the next time. You're eating one. You could lead a small group, or you could disciple a new believer, or you could help or set up or tear down chairs, or, or serve on a short-term mission trip this summer in L.A. or Ecuador. You can serve by being generous with your tithes and offerings. You know, some people have the spiritual gift of generosity, of giving. And you can serve by giving your tithes and offerings and helping support the ministries of the church. You know, this church doesn't happen today unless faithful people like you give. We get no outside money, nowhere. A guy up in Canada one time thought the government supported us. I wish they would, but I'm glad they don't. Uh, you see, 
you could be a part of intercessory prayer. We have an intercessory prayer group that meets every Friday morning at 7 o'clock. And we get this long list of prayer requests. And we pray every Saturday, Friday morning at 7 o'clock, right back there in that little prayer room. And so people say, well, 7 o'clock's early. Well, we used to do it at 6. And I'm thinking, if myself and two other people are only, only ones coming, why are we doing it at 6? So we moved it to 7. Another opportunity that you have to serve is, is to serve at your work, going out of your way at work to be helpful, to be polite to your coworkers or your boss or even your customers. Being a trusted employee is a way to serve Christ in your workplace. You serve coworkers by taking the time to be friendly and to pray for your coworkers when they're going through difficult times. Another way you can serve Christ, and I'm speeding up here, so hang on. Uh, another way you can serve Christ and others is by serving in our community. You see, when the expert in the law asked Jesus, he came to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered with uh, his parable about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is about to do was laying along the road and he had a big accident. I guess his camel fell over or something, ran into the back of another camel. And he was laying along the road and he was injured. And, and the bottom line message of this parable is that he become, he, we can become neighbor to, uh, to anyone we serve. The Samaritan went out of his way he spent his money, he risked his life, all for a Jew who hated each other, the Samaritans and the Jews, all for a Jew who might snub him and dislike him as soon as he was well enough to begin hating him again. He didn't count that cost. He knew that God had, had called him to do that. We serve God and we revive our identity in Christ when we love those who who have needs in our community, our neighborhood. We demonstrate our love for them by serving them. There are many ways to serve our community. You could, be, you could welcome new people in your neighborhood with a plate of cookies. Now, you don't have to bake cookies anymore. You can go right over to Weiss, and you can get your pack, and you can take them out and put them real nice on a plate. Or you can get those break-off deals, and you can bake them. Man, they're good. And you can take them right over to your neighbor and say, I baked these for you. You could visit a neighbor in the hospital or take, a, take them a meal during a family crisis, play ball with a child with an absent father, or, or by stopping in the pouring rain to help change a flat tire of an elderly person. You could coach a sports team. You could tutor a child at Livingston or Smithfield. There are some huge benefits in however you serve. Serve Christ and others. And the Bible tells us that God says you serve, and here's what will happen. First, every time I, you and I serve, we move the heart of God. We move the heart of God. God has feelings too. I believe God has feelings too. The Bible says Jesus wept. And he has feelings. So every time you serve God, I believe God says, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful. Well done, my girl. Well done, my boy. Well done, my daughter. Well done, my son. Because he sees his son's identity in our lives. It moves the heart of God. Next, it rebuilds my identity. When I serve, it makes me more like Christ, and the more like him I become, the more I rebuild my identity in who he says he, that I am. It also makes a lasting impression. When we serve others, it makes a, a lasting impression on the people around us, on our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, and people in your small group. It's like, oh, man, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that dude in the parking lot with a SpongeBob hat. 
I want to be like that person that cares so much that they would come out and they would come to the hospital and see me. Uh, uh, I want to be like that person who would stop and help a stranger change a flat tire or work in a homeless shelter. I want to be like that person. It leaves a lasting impression. It's like, oh man, I want to be, I want what that person has. It encourages people to want to know Jesus. That's another benefit. When we serve, it creates a hunger for a person to know Jesus. And it gives us the opportunity to share hope with those who may have lost hope. And there's nothing we needed more in our world today than hope. And when we serve others, we will get the opportunity to let them know about Jesus and share the hope of the world. And when I get the opportunity to help people know Jesus by sharing uh, hope with them, it gives me joy. It gives me joy. Serving gives me joy unspeakable joy. You show me someone who's a Christ follower and they're joyful and who are positive and they're excited and I guarantee you, you will see someone who is a servant and they have rebuilt their identity in Christ. We serve others and yes, we help others by serving but in the process, we help ourselves more than we help others because we're like Christ and now our identity is in Him. I have a great story to illustrate that Marion Mill was born in a fairy town royal palace in Hungary. Her first spoon was solid gold. They sent her to school in Vienna where she became an actress and there she met and fell in love with a young medical student named Otto. And Otto uh, and Marion married and then they moved to California. And there he became so interested in the movies that he gave up his medical practice and went on to become the internationally famed movie director Otto Preminger. And Marion, uh, who put her identity in her beauty and her wit and her irresistible, irresistible charm, it brought her everything a woman desires. She became a famous international hostess known from New York to London and around the world. But Otto's princess could not handle the fast life of Hollywood. She got into alcohol and drugs and she had numerous affairs and her, and her life and her lifestyle became so despicable even for Hollywood that Otto Primager divorced her. She tried to take her own life three times unsuccessfully. And finally, she moved back to Vienna. And there at a party she met another doctor named Albert, Albert Schweitzer. And the well-known medical uh, doctor, musician, philosopher, and theologian, and missionary. Uh, and, and Schweitzer was born, uh, was home on leave from the hospital from Lombard, anyway, Africa. And, and she was so fascinated by Schweitzer that, that she asked him if she could talk to him alone, and he permitted that. And for almost six months, they met every day, every week uh, for six months. She met with him. And at the end of that time, he was going back to Africa and she begged him, please, let me go with you. And he agreed. And marrying the young princess who was born in a palace, went to live in a tiny village in Africa. And she spent the rest of her life emptying bedpans and tearing up sheets to make bandages for the decaying, rotten sores on a poverty-stricken people. She wrote in her autobiography, all I, want, all I want is everything. All I want is everything. And when she died, Tyre Magazine quoted from her autobiography these words. Albert Schweitzer says, there are two kinds of people. There are the helpers and the non-helpers. 
And she said, I thank God that he allowed me to become a helper. And in helping, I found everything. She had everything. But she said, in serving and helping others, I found everything. You see, in serving others, she discovered who she really was. Jesus did the ultimate act of service by dying on the cross for the decay and rotten of sin in our lives, that brought in our lives. It's not something we can do for ourselves, but Jesus did it for us. He, he was about others when he identified with us. He's all about others as he served, and he served us to his death. And the good news is, is if we receive what he did for us, he will lead us on an amazing life journey of service that will lead us to find everything, everything I ever wanted, including my identity. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful today for your presence here. We're thankful, Lord, for your love and grace. God, I'm thankful for a great church that Gay and I get the privilege of serving. I thank you, Lord, that you're, that you're here today and you want to do something very special in our lives. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in an incredible way right now. And I pray, Lord, for every believer in this room, those that are worshiping online, those who are sitting in the cafe or family room or wherever they're gathered today. God, I, I pray that, Lord, we will be stirred by your Holy Spirit to begin to serve if we're not serving, Lord. I, I pray, God, that you will help us as husbands and, and as wives to serve one another and serve our children. Lord, that you will help us as believers, those who believe in you and believe in Salem Fields Community Church. God, that right now, if we're not serving, that you would speak to our hearts with the, with the wonderful opportunity that you've given us to serve, to find everything. God, help us to serve on our jobs and in our community. Father, I pray that, God, you would just move in our hearts to be servants, to go against the culture, Lord, I pray today for those that may be here that don't know Christ. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed just for a moment, if you're here today and, and maybe in your life there was a time that you have a, had a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe as a child, a teenager, young adult, but life got in the way. Things happened. And you turned your back on God and you walked away. God won't walk away. But maybe you walked away from that relationship and today you want to come back home. You want to recommit your life to Christ and say, God, forgive me. Invite him to be your savior and make a commitment to serve him. Or maybe you're here and maybe for the very first time today, God's calling you. You hear him. You know that he's speaking to you and that, that you don't have a personal relationship with him, that your sins have never been forgiven. But today, just something about today just has drawn you to give your life to Christ.
So today, I'd like to pray this prayer with you. And you can pray it back. You don't have to pray it out loud. But as I pray, you just pray right after me. Jesus, just pray. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Now you just pray, Lord, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. And then you thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed just for a moment, no one peeking. Peeker's not allowed. Except Gay and I. We're legal peekers. If you prayed that, first of all, if you recommitted your life to Christ today, that you've been away from him, but today you've decided that you've decided that you're coming back and you've asked God to forgive you and you've reconnected with him today with all of our heads bowed, would you slip up your hand anybody like that today? Wow. God bless you all over the auditorium. Welcome home. Welcome home. God loves you. And maybe you're here and you say for the very first time you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Anybody like that today would just slip up your hand? Yes, thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, I see your hand. For the very first time. Wow. Anyone else? Yes. God bless you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up and right back down. For the very first time I received Christ today. I prayed that prayer. Anyone else? Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for those who have recommitted their lives to you. Thank you, Father, that they've, they're like the prodigal son, they've come home. And God, there's a party. We're getting out the fatted calf. And Lord, I just pray that you would just watch over them, protect them, and help them to stay focused on you, Lord, no matter what comes their way. And Lord, for those who, for the very first time today, accepted Jesus Christ, accepted you as their Savior, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that, God, you will bless them and fill their hearts with the joy of the Lord today. And, Father, I just pray that, God, you will just use us at this church here at Salem Fields Community Church, God, to reach our community, Lord. May Easter just be one of the greatest celebrations, Lord, that we have ever experienced here. Not because, Lord, there may be a thousand people here or 10,000 people here, Lord, but Lord, because people have come to know you. So, Father, thank you. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you recommitted your life to Christ, I want you to stop by that little table out there and Pastor Mark or somebody will be there and they'll pick up your salvation bracelet, okay? Don't forget to do that because as you wear that, it'll remind you that today, you made a commitment on April 2nd, this is April 2nd, not April 1st, so it's no April Fool in that, that you accepted Christ. And when people ask you what that bracelet's all about, you can say, ah, it's all about Jesus. You want to know about him? And you can share Jesus, okay? Uh, God bless you, and we're going to worship together. Can let's we stand? stand together and let's celebrate what God has done here this morning and make a declaration that we will follow him. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I'll follow 
serve you with all of our hearts. Thank you so much for every person that has uh, been here online, wherever this morning, Lord. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We love you guys. Serve. Will you go, I'll go. Will you stay, I'll stay. Will you move, I'll move. I'll follow you. Bye.